back to a brand new episode of Dimming the Gaslight. My name is Mac, and thanks for coming back for episode 21. I'm making the joke with people, uh, my baby can officially drink now. Uh, 21 episodes of doing this, uh, absolutely insane. Thank you guys so much for sticking with me all this time, um, and it's going to keep getting better. I have an absolutely amazing guest for you guys this week. Um, before we get into it, I wanted to send a special thank you to Bo for uh, last week. Um, Bo, your episode was hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Everybody was messaging me saying how funny you are. And somebody actually messaged me and said, um, are you guys friends for a long time? And no, he's just some guy that I met on Instagram. Um, but I guess the way we talk, we talk like old friends. And man, you are absolutely hilarious. And I love that you call me Dr. Phil, so don't ever stop. Um, before we get into this next episode too, you know I'm going to plug my normal stuff. So please follow me on Instagram and on TikTok at dimming underscore the underscore gaslight. Please remember to leave a review on Apple Music. Give it five stars and five stars on Spotify. And if you'd like to be a part of the show, please email me at dimmingthegaslight at gmail.com. Um, so like I said, this next episode, oh my God, the guy is just a wealth of knowledge. Wait until you hear this stuff. Um, check it out. All right, guys. So welcome into a new episode. I have a very special guest with me today. He calls himself the Spiritual Samurai. And uh, I discovered him through a um, another podcast that I did with in episode 12 with Adam from Toxic Abuse Anonymous. Adam recommended that I talk with this guy, the Spiritual Samurai. His name is Keith. And uh, Keith has a wealth of knowledge um, when it comes to all things personality disorders, narcissistic abuse, um, but the reason I wanted him on today was I wanted to talk about how to break the trauma bond. Okay. So uh, Keith is with us today. Keith, say hello. Hello. How's everybody? So uh, you can also follow him on Instagram. So he's at spiritual underscore samurai, S-A-M-U-R-A-I, another underscore. So spiritual underscore samurai underscore. He also has a YouTube channel called The Spiritual Samurai. Um, he has a book out called Warrior in the World, Semicolon Spiritual Samurai, which is available on Amazon if you'd like to pick that up. And then also, as I mentioned, he's friends with Adam from Toxic Abuse Anonymous, and he's a major contributor to a new app that they just put out um, called Toxic Abuse Anonymous app. Is that right, Keith? Yes. So you can follow him on all those places. But Keith, so I just wanted to jump right into it. So as someone... And I know you've, you know, you have your story and we'll get into it a bit, but as somebody who experienced narcissistic abuse, um, such a big thing for all of us is going through the trauma bond, especially when we get out of a relationship. So we've all experienced it, but it's hard to put exactly into words what a trauma bond is. So can you talk about that a little bit for us, please? Well, the trauma bond is a biochemical addiction, no different than any other addiction in the way it works. It's difficult for people to understand that are not victims of it because most of it goes unnoticed. Okay. You don't know you're in it. And it's, and it's almost like people who are addicted to um, scratch off tickets, right? Okay, right, right. They're putting so much into it and they don't know if they're going to get the win or not, but mm -hmm. they keep going. So even if they get a dollar, even though they spend $20 to get that winning ticket, they think they're going to get more eventually. And the trauma bond usually comes after, you know, you've been love bombed. Yeah. Totally. Senses are down and now you trust the person and you've almost given them all this power, which you didn't realize by letting them slowly erode away your boundaries, which goes unnoticed also. 
totally. And just like those scratch off tickets, man, you have this pipe dream in your head and you're like, the more I keep scratching, the better chance I have of winning. But what you don't realize in a narcissistic relationship is that the more you play, the worse it gets. Yeah. And the right. same thing goes with the scratch off tickets. If everybody who spends an insane amount of money trying to win, put that money aside and never used it, they mm -hmm. could have been well off and probably millionaires already. Yeah. So the same thing, you invest so much in this relationship that it's like throwing money into a stock that you know is going downhill. <laughs> Man, they, they say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting different results. And I got to admit, man, I think we're pretty insane when we're in these trauma bonds. But the thing is, you from the love bombing stage that created the trauma bond, you think that you could get your sweet honey back that never existed to begin with. And that's so hard to accept. And that's the biggest part. That's what keeps us in the trauma bond is we don't accept the truth because everything that we do comes from projection. Mm. We're projecting our own self onto them, our love, mm. our kindness, our compassion, our consideration, that they could actually have that. And especially when it comes to empathy, which they don't have. So we project that onto them, hoping that we could get that loving, caring person back that never really existed because what you did get in the beginning was a reflection of yourself. <sighs> so you actually become the narcissist in a way where you fall in love with your own image that they're reflecting onto you. This is why usually at the end you question, am I the narcissist? Yeah, but you know, I mean, I'm sure we'll get to this and I feel like I'm putting the, the horse in front of the cart a little bit, but I also feel like this is going to segue into why it's easier to love yourself once you get out of that trauma bond. Yes, and that takes a while because oh, yeah. you, have, you have to start to let go. And right. the only way you could start to let go is by realizing this person never loved you. They're not capable of it. And once you could accept that, then you could start to learn about them in a way that everything that you thought that they were didn't really exist. And that's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah, it's a really hard, hard pill to swallow. And, you know, you know, you're talking about projection. So, I mean, when they go and they steal your identity like this, you're blinded by the fact of like, you know, they're not overtly in most cases. I mean, I know in my situation anyway, they're not overtly uh, manipulative. You actually think this is the person that they are. Um, and I think personally speaking, you know, one of the things that I've had to do in order to um, forgive myself for this whole thing is realize that like I was duped and it wasn't me that was a bad person. I'm not stupid. I'm not, you know, there's nothing wrong with me that I fell for it. I think anybody would have fallen for it, to be honest. Even psychologists fall for it. I know, right? It's and crazy. Nobody could blame themselves. So talk about, talk about some of these hurdles um, that you have in terms of, you know, getting through acceptance and things like that. Well, one of the hurdles is starting to believe in yourself again. Because the thing is with the gaslighting and the manipulation, you're so confused. You've fallen into that alternate reality that they've created. Mm -hmm. So you don't know if you're coming or going. You don't know if you happen to be the bad person or not. You know, so getting your own, you know, getting the reins back of your horses is really important. Getting mm -hmm. thoughts back, realizing what's going on is abuse. Totally. You know, what helped me, um, and, and don't get me wrong, like, so at the time of this recording, right, like, I'm six months out of this, and I'm six months through it, 
Um, and I still, there's still things that pop up in my head and I go, damn, like only if it would have worked this way or would have worked that way. But something that really helped me, you know, in terms of um, understanding that I'm not crazy because of the gaslighting. Um, I've talked about this a lot of, on my episodes was recording things, you know, um, if you have, if you're, if you're um, savvy enough to have some evidence against them, you know, like I, I do a good job of comparing my thoughts versus the reality of what I have on my, and my evidence, my recordings and stuff like that. And that really helped me in terms of, uh, you know, knowing what was real and what was gaslighting. Yes. And, you know, it's like they do everything systematically. You know, a lot of people go, oh, you know, they isolated me. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, how do they do that? They turn people against you where you start to separate yourself from them, whether it's friends, family, coworkers. Yeah. You know, and then we self-isolate in a way where two different ways, where one way is we don't want to create any more chaos. So we push everybody away so we could just be with them. So we mm -hmm. don't trigger them. And another way of pushing people away that people don't notice is by driving people crazy with the bullshit that continues to go on in the relationship. <laughs> you, know? you call your friend, Hey, what's up? Oh, she's doing this again. It's like, how many times are you going to call me and break up with them and get back? Oh, you know, they start to distance themselves from you, which is a form of you isolating yourself without realizing it. It happens with friends and family all the time. It's funny. So uh, I did a, I did an episode recently with uh, my best friend. His name is Mo and Mo came on an episode and it was funny. He, I got a good reaction, a lot of good feedback about this episode. Um, but it was funny off the air. Mo goes, you know, goes, you got a really good friend to me because a lot of people would have put up with your bullshit for so long. And I was like, dude, I appreciate the hell out of you, man. Yeah. And it's and it's more prevalent with men because what will a guy say, which I know when I was going through my stuff. Am I allowed to curse here a little or no? Fucking do it. OK, so, you know, it's like, well, I'm going on. Oh, fuck her. Go out, go out to the bar, meet some chick. Fuck, do whatever you want. It's like. And that's not even my personality, but I'm like, right. that's not good information. <laughs> that's not helpful to how I'm feeling. Right. You know, women will will coddle each other and listen and do all the other stuff, which men don't normally. And men don't usually share their feelings. So not saying that either one is worse. Abuse is abuse. But the men have less of an outlet, which makes it more difficult for us. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I I identify with you, man. I'm, I'm not the... Um... I'm not the get over one person by getting under another one type of guy. That's just not my style. Yeah, that, that rebound relationship, you might find there's always somebody out there worse. Hey, you want to know something funny though? My exes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, when you think, and the thing is, once you think you're over it, because you, you know, eventually we will be, it just takes time. You go, okay, I'll never deal with this again. And then you end up in one of those relationships again. Mm-hmm. That's like, a huge phobia of mine. That better not happen to me from your lips to God's ears. And that's what happened to me because now it's a year for me that I've been out of my narcissist with, um, you know, out of that relationship. And mine happened to be special because she was bipolar disorder and narcissistic personality disorder. Oh, boy. So it added a little more flavor. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, with that, it's like I grew up in a family with cluster B personality disorders. It just happens to be part of what I grew up with. I was married to somebody who was one 20 something years ago. Then I was in a 10 year relationship with one probably like five years later. You know? Shit, man. And then this one who's recent with the 
like I studied bipolar disorder for a while because I dated somebody seven years ago that had it and she right. really told me our first date. So I was studying that for a while. So this person, I noticed all the bipolar stuff, but the mm. other stuff I didn't notice because the people who I was with in the past didn't have narcissistic personality disorder. They had a borderline personality disorder. So yeah. within that, there was no love bombing. The love bombing is 100% in my eyes, a narcissistic trait. Totally. The other ones don't do that. Well, you and I were talking a little bit offline about, you know, um, you know, you don't necessarily need a diagnosis to, you know, point out the toxic traits and behaviors of a narcissist. And you had this really good list that you made. Um, I can't really, I mean, maybe we can, we can post on Instagram when, when this episode airs, but you had like a list that you provided to me about like some of the ways that you can identify a narcissist. And this will help with the trauma bond, because there's no question when, when you have all these, you know, if it walks like a duck, if it swims like a duck, if it sounds like a duck, it's a fucking duck. You know, so can you talk about that list a little bit for me? Yeah, for sure. When you first meet them, so they're, they're amazing, attentive listeners. They want to know everything about you. They're gathering who, information, man. Who gets that type of attention usually, right? It's like, really? You're interested? So they're great listeners because they're taking down all that detail. So from there, they could start to mirror you, mm. right? Johnny Depp said also with, with Amber that, she liked all the same artists, the same bands, everything. And, he and said, then, and then, be true for the first year. <laughs> I don't want to get too much into the Johnny Depp thing, but you get me all fired up, man. And yeah. then that stupid jerk, I uh, use a different word. Then Amber Heard goes later on, uh, you know, yeah, she likes all the same bands as Johnny Depp and everything. And then when she gets to know him and he has his friends over to play in his band, he's some, f she called him a fat old man sitting around playing the guitar. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing is, it's like, they're super charming and cunning and very persistent because they have to get that target, right? It's a mission. They're like Navy SEALs. They have to conquer the land and take over and you're the land. Yeah. <laughs> But once they take the land over, they're going to burn everything down, which is your, <laughs> your confidence. And yeah. this is what they do. So they do that through mirroring. Yeah. And this is, you know, the whole thing of narcissism. It's like they don't have a sense of self. So you're giving them that light. You're giving them that reflection. Mm -hmm. so all of a sudden, somebody's understanding you for the first time. They have the same interests. It's so amazing. It's like, I've never experienced this in my life. And this is what the problem is, is with most of the movies and the women's novels and spirituality, they say, oh, you're soulmate. Oh, yeah. you're twin flame. Narcissist probably came up with that, th that term. That term. Because now it's like, why? I've never met somebody like this. I can't lose this. Right. I, I don't know where I saw it, but I saw somewhere recently, um, and this really just applies to online dating, I guess, but not necessarily. I guess it can apply to any um, initial dating stage. But I saw something recently. I don't know where I read it, but it was like, um, if you're ever asked uh, by a person, like in those initial dating stages, like, um, like, why is a person like you single? Right. Like that, that kind of stupid fucking question people get all the time. That is such a manipulative question because you're you're going to divulge all this information and give them the blueprint on how to love bomb you. So like you when you get that answer, like something along those lines of why are you single? 
answer as vaguely as you can of just, I haven't found the right one yet. Like something like that. You got to keep it simple because you don't want to give these people the blueprint on how to fucking steal your soul. Yeah. You want to make them earn the details and that doesn't come in two weeks. Right. They, they're, they're like NASCARs. They're moving a hundred miles an hour because <laughs> they got to override your security systems so they could get everything. And most people, they're like, oh my God, how was your childhood? What was your last relationship like? So you're like, oh, somebody's asking me? This is amazing. And the next thing you know, you're giving them this information and they're making that blueprint not to love you, but to destroy you because mm-hmm. they're going to weaponize all that stuff, you know? So in the beginning too, it's like, what do they do? There's extreme admiration. So even mine, I told her, I go, you know, everything is a little bit too extreme. She's like, well, you know, I'm an eternal optimist. It's like, well, that's a little too much. Right, exactly. (laughs) You know, their sense of entitlement is there for sure. They have a haunty type of attitude. They lack self-control, you know, when it comes to their impulses. So the thing that happens is I, I came up with a term called sex baiting. Okay, let me hear it. So sex baiting is when they weaponize sex to, to pull you in with the love bombing. And that's, since they don't have empathy, they pretty much use intensity and performance to mask the intimacy and the connection that they would have through passion with somebody. And somebody goes, oh, this person blew my mind. They never, I never experienced this before. And you probably never will again. Because you just punched me in the gut. Because <laughs> that's my experience completely. Yeah. And this is what happens with so many people I've talked to. And I noticed that the first time with the narcissist. And that was actually the last time for me because this is not my first rodeo. <laughs> so I was just like, wow, this is so awkward and weird where this person had no connection where they use you as a living sex doll. They don't care about you. They use you to get off, but you don't know that because you never experienced this before. So you're like, wow, this person loved me from head to toe. They did all these things. It's like, this connection is so deep. And the next thing you know, it's just like, no, it's not. This is what they do to everybody. And it's like, how? And then accepting that is hard for people to do because like, I've heard a lot of stories from women also. So they use that sex baiting because right away, if they could get in there with that, that's, that's going to create that addiction. That's That's what creates the trauma bond. Yes. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, So let's go back to this checklist. So, you know, sex baiting, mirroring, um, you know, like I'm sure extreme words of affirmation. Um, What else? There in the beginning they're always there for you they're texting you non-stop they're calling you non-stop want to know what you're doing want to do everything with you mm-hmm. want to go with you everywhere want to get to know who you are who your friends are who your family is they want to know everything mm-hmm. you know it's like if you're into a certain sport all of a sudden they want to learn about it and they're into it and they care about it and it's just like really no woman it's rare that this woman, a woman does that. It's like, well, I'm that woman. And you're like, oh my God, thank you, God. Thank yeah. you for delivering this. And, and they just keep going with that. And next thing you know, you're stuck in because just like with social media, what keeps people addicted to it? Likes. Right? <laughs> notifications, if you do have that, which I don't, it's like, oh, you ch- everybody's checking their phone. Did I get a notification? Get a notification? Oh, I did. What is that? Did I get a like? Did I, I turn? A- I turn like on the on my screen. I turn all notifications off. I only see notifications once I log into the app. 
Same thing with me. I don't have notifications for everything, anything on my phone, but normally most people do, right? So then it's like, okay, now there's a notification. What is that for? Did I get a message? Did I get a like? Did I get a dislike? Did I get a comment? I don't know. Did I get a troll? I have to check. Yeah. <laughs> a troll's even better. It's like, I have to check. So this ends up happening with them where it's like, you know, you're checking your phone to see if they left you a text again in a call because next thing you know, you're sucked into that vortex. And it's that shot of serotonin. Every time your phone goes, eh, eh, and you look at it and you go, oh, she texted me. And that's all the kind of shit that I experienced after leaving my relationship. You know, the phone doesn't go uh, uh, anymore and uh, the phone's not ringing anymore and the sex ain't coming anymore. And, uh, you know, she's not trying to get me to do things for her anymore. And there was this hole in my life, you know, and those are some of the challenges that I had to go through um, in order to, you know, break my my trauma bond. But um, and here's an example. Say you live in New York City, you used to the 24 hour stores, the people all over the place, the cars, the crowds and everything. Now somebody kidnapped you and dropped you off in the middle of a forest by yourself. You don't know what to do. You don't even know how you're going to get your next meal. You don't know where your shelter is. You're just left in the abyss by yourself. And this is what happens when they finally cut you off and do the discard. The way that I described it was, you ever watch the Viking shows or anything? It's like you have this, the mom walking into the woods with their baby Mm -hmm. hugging it caressing it and then lies it down in the forest and walks away and leaves the baby there by itself meanwhile you know there's wolves and bears and other things in there that could kill the baby but the mother just walks away and it's the same thing it's like if you love this person so much how do you just walk away and have no contact with them and the funny thing is most people will ask for closure you got to watch what you ask for because i got that my dude, I just looked at my watch and I checked my heart rate on my Apple watch right now. And you're elevating my heart rate with some of this stuff. <laughs> I have that type of capacity. Adam usually says that, which is. <laughs> um, so how, how can we um, protect ourselves from some of this stuff? Okay. Well, the most important thing is not living a paranoid life. Okay. That's good advice. Go ahead. Then, talk about that a little more. Because if you're paranoid that, Everybody you meet is a potential narcissist. You're going to do something which is called self-sabotage. You're going to sabotage good relationships. And most people do that right away by saying, oh, this person, they're a little boring because you're so used to the chaos. Oh, God. Dude, so here's another thing that I read recently. It was like um, those butterflies that you get in the beginning of the relationship, like, oh, he gives me butterflies. Well, that's your nervous system maybe telling you like this isn't a good idea. And like a good relationship is supposed to bring you peace. You know what I'm saying? That's your nervous system potentially rejecting that person. Yeah, and this is what everybody goes by, right? Oh, I have to feel butterflies. That person has to sweep me off my feet. They have to wind me and dye me. It's like, I have to have that feeling. If I don't have that feeling, it's like, it's not gonna work. Well, if that's what you're searching for, you'll always get that from a toxic person because they will make sure that they give you that to get addicted, even in a short period of time where they know they could finally wheel you in and then you're done. I think the best thing to do would probably, so personally speaking, I'm working on myself, man. I've been, you know, I've been out of my relationship for about six months and I'm finding the things that I enjoy doing. 
And what I'm telling myself now, and, and I hope that I stick to it, you know, when I do find somebody, but I'm telling myself now, I don't want to sacrifice these things that I've done for self-improvement when I get into a relationship. It's almost like, you know, if you lose a whole lot of weight, right. And then you reach your weight goal, you don't want to stop doing the things that got you there. You have to continue to sustain it. So when it comes to a new relationship, for me personally speaking, I want to continue to do the things that I enjoy and have somebody supplement that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You, any, any healthy relationship, somebody's adding to your life, not detracting from it. Amen, brother. You know, and the thing is, the bad thing is most people will go, oh, I need somebody to fill my void. I need somebody to make me happy. No, you need to be happy first. Because yeah. if you're going to always look for it outside of yourself, you're never going to find it. You know, one, one of my teachers, she used to say, you are your true soulmate. All you got is you, man, for the rest of your life. All you got is you. Said, you came into this world alone. You're going to leave alone. You know, so you have to really take care of yourself. And when it comes to the whole trauma bonding and the love bonding and stuff, you know, when you meet somebody new, you have to take it slow. Even if they want to move 100 miles an hour, you take it slow. And if they start to get triggered by that, that's a red flag. Red flag. Yeah, good. Yeah. Glad you said that. Red flag. Yeah. And most people notice the red flags, but then they give that person the benefit of the doubt. They, they don't know it's the odd things, the extreme things. And they're like, well, they're a little quirky, but, you know, they love me. They care about me. And if somebody tells you they love you in two weeks, run as fast as you can. Because it's not possible to love anybody. That, that takes time. And some people go, oh, you know, I let them know this. I let them know that. It's like we had that connection. It's like, well, you're looking for that fantasy that you learned from your novels and TV. It's like any real love takes time to develop. Right. You know, it doesn't come quickly. And it's like, you have to let them earn your trust. You don't give your trust. You give everybody respect, mm -hmm. but you don't give your trust. You let them earn it. I used to always think of it like you go to college, they go, oh, everybody has an A in class your first day. It's what you do that keeps the A or not. Right. The same thing. It's like you, you give them a respect, but you let them earn the trust. You don't just give it. And when people move a hundred miles an hour, all of a sudden you're living in their house in two weeks. Mm-hmm. That's not a, that's not a good thing either. So when you're looking at like future relationships, <clears throat> you should, you should have a place of refuge for yourself that you don't give that up. So right. say you go to the gym, right? Mm -hmm. You don't bring that person to the gym right away to work out. You go to the gym by yourself. Cause now if the relationship goes bad, now you can't go to the gym anymore. Cause it reminds you of your narcissist. Or oh your my God. Yeah. So, so funny. Oh, so after I got out of this relationship, right. I said to my friend, so I'm a big fan of The Office for all of you listeners out there who like The Office. It's probably my favorite show is The Office. And uh, I was like, I can't watch The Office anymore. And I have a friend who made me laugh so hard. He goes, you know what I do, man? And he goes, when I'm in a relationship, I don't watch the shit that I like to watch. He goes, I'll watch whatever she wants to watch. Cause if this shit doesn't work out, he goes, then I never have to watch that shit again. He goes, so consequently, I'm the biggest fan of one tree hill that there is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that story. So like, you know, if certain restaurants or anything like that, it's like, don't take them to your favorite spots to go that you want to go to forever. Because now if you go with them and now you're not with them anymore, you're going to start to remember them. And now that experience that used to be fun is going to be, you know, sad. And you yeah. don't want that. So you know, when you do get out of the relationship, 
find new and explore new places to go to that has nothing to do with them. That's such an important thing to do because it's like, oh, I can't go here. I can't go there. Well, because you went there with your toxic person. Find new places to go to where you could create new experiences where now you don't have that sentiments or memories, you know, in that area because you never went there with that person. Surround yourself with different people. You know, look at the people that you surround yourself with. This is important. People that actually appreciate you. Because if you notice that you're always meeting people that kind of use you and abuse you and are toxic, you have to start to look at yourself why you keep choosing those type of people in your life. Yeah, yeah. I get it. How about, um, talk a little bit about where you seek support after you leave your relationship um, in terms of like friends or family and um, looking for validation after you get out of the relationship. Can you talk about that for a little bit? Well, if you look for validation, you might never find it. Why? Because most people have never dealt with this before. So they can't understand it unless they walked a mile in your shoes. Mm -hmm. Most therapists out there understand what narcissistic personality disorder is, but they haven't experienced it. Most of them don't treat clients like that because they usually don't go to therapy. It's usually the victims that go to therapy. Mm -hmm. So it's hard for them to understand it. And then anybody else who hasn't been in it. So the thing is, the best thing you could do is first do some research and reading on what a narcissist really is because right. start to understand it because this is the most important thing and then from there therapy is an important thing but to find somebody that has dealt with this type of personality disorder mm-hmm. very rare and most of them are booked to the teeth where totally. you're never going to see them so you know going to somebody just to talk to is really important and somebody that's a neutral party because if you go to somebody that knows the relationship, they might be biased on your side or not, depending on how they were manipulated by that narcissist. Mm-hmm. So one important thing to me is seeking some type of therapy. If you could go to group therapy, if that's better for you, that's important. Some life coaches out there, you know, I um, specialize in this now. Also, getting some good books are really important to understand it. There's a lot of great books out there. I made a huge book list last week or so. That's cool. Um, <clears throat> trying to find yourself again, you know, going, go, go to start doing things that's good for you. Like say, if you go for exercise, you know, at the gym or, or an exercise class, you like to go for long walks, go for like some people do meetup.com where they go meet people for um, hikes or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Do the, another thing too, like going back to when you're seeking validation from your support system, um, when it comes to therapy, um, my therapist does know about narcissistic personality disorder. Um, but on on the very first session, I kind of laid the land a little bit. I said, listen, I, I, I told her, I was like, I have been gaslit for so many years. Okay. And we'll get into the story and whether you believe that to be true or not, I have been. And all I'm going to tell you is that this relationship, as far as my therapy goes, will not work if I'm constantly having to convince you of things or constantly having to play devil's advocate or you play devil's advocate. If you're constantly playing devil's advocate with me, um, I need the validation. I need the validation that this is what I went through. This was real. And I'm not crazy because if not, I'm leaving. Yes. They have, they have to understand what the personality disorder is and what they do to you and what your responses are to that. Cause this will help validate that you aren't crazy. Cause then they're gonna be like, well, 
how do you feel? Well, right now, since the discard, I feel depressed. I feel like I don't have a sense of self. And they're like, well, that's, that's part of it. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, really? You know, it's like, oh, thank you for, for telling me that. Because now I'm thinking that, you know, I'm, I'm starting to realize that I'm not crazy where, okay, this is what I'm supposed to go through. It's like, oh, you're going to go through the stages of grief. It's like, well, what is that? Mm-hmm. And then they tell you, oh, you're going to go through denial, through anger, through bargaining, through depression, through acceptance. You know, and then it might cycle all over the place. I was going to say, my order is all over the place on any given day. Yeah, so there is no order for it. It's just you will probably experience different ones at different times according to your own makeup. You know, some people will move through certain phases quicker and some will be repetitive. And that's okay. The thing is, you've been in this relationship for so long because of your kindness, your compassion, your thoughtfulness, Mm -hmm. your love. So you've been able to give that to somebody that, can't even do anything with it. So why don't you finally give it to yourself during Thank this you. time of healing? Mm-hmm. And this is really important where it's like, why can't you love yourself? And people go, oh, well, I hate myself right now. No, no, you feel this way because the narcissist has devalued you. devalued you for so long where you lost your sense of self, but you know what? You need to heal and you need to go through these phases and you need to understand what they are. Mm-hmm. So you don't punish yourself more while you're trying to heal. You know, and I think such an important thing too is letting go of the future that you thought you had with them, you know, like letting go of these dreams and aspirations. And I had kids and, you know, us growing old together, buying a house, all the shit. You know, it's funny. I actually said to somebody recently, strangely, I couldn't imagine me and my now ex I couldn't imagine us old together. I can imagine me old and I can imagine her old, but I can't imagine us old together Um, because it was just unsustainable. You know, it was unbearable. But let's talk a little bit about trying to let go of the future faking that they gave you. Yeah, so once you could actually accept things for what they are, you could realize that there there was no future unless it involves suffering. And life is really short. So, you know, I was a firefighter. I've seen a lot of death. And it's like mm-hmm. life is really precious and really short. And we don't realize that because we're fine right now. Mm-hmm. So we don't know if we have tomorrow. So why waste time on this person that we cannot fix or change? And that's another acceptance. You cannot fix or change them because they're fine. They think everything is great with them because they're a grandiosity because they're a personality disorder. You know, so... It's like letting, being able to finally accept it so you can let go. And then from there, you could start to work with that to move on. Accept that they are who they are. And there's no amount, you can give the maximum effort you are internally able to provide and it wouldn't make a difference. It's just like anything, right? You don't know how it is to be a black man. You're not a black man. You know, if you're not gay, you don't know how it is to be gay. It's like also say I'm four foot 11 and I want to be in the NBA. It's like, I can't be tall enough. Bud Webb did it. <laughs> you know, so he was like five, six or something like that. Yeah, but like, it's that. like you have to accept what you have and you have to accept who they are. Right. So you can, so you can move on because the thing that happens a lot through the whole grieving stages, you start to forget who they are and you start to project again with that faith and hope that maybe this could change. And if you when you keep going back to that you don't allow yourself to heal because we're still holding on 
yeah. to something that just can't change. And and forgive yourself for that. You know, like that doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make you stupid. It doesn't make you blind. It doesn't make you, you know, and that's why I struggle with like saying people when people say like, oh, I attract narcissists. And, you know, I could debate that with people, but um, you know, there's different schools of thought on that, but you got to forgive I yourself. That is, you don't attract narcissists, you accept them. Okay. That's fair. I'll allow that. That's fair. But you got to forgive yourself. No matter what, you got to forgive yourself for being willing to push through the red flags for the, you know, what you thought you were going to get. And it doesn't, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. Take that love and give it to someone else and it will be received. Yes. Um, the first person that needs it is you. Oh, hell yeah, brother. Hell you need, yeah. You need to give it to yourself, all that love that you've given them, all those opportunities and second chances, those second chances you give them, you have to give yourself during the healing period because mm -hmm. you're going to relapse because you just will. It's just, it's, it's the normal process. And somebody goes, how long does it take to heal? May 15th <laughs> at 9 p.m. Like, I got you down for May 15th at 2 p.m. Does that work for you? Like, there's no timetable for this thing, man. It's when you can implement. Yeah, right. <laughs> give me 10,000 bucks. Exactly. If you can implement these, you know, healing processes, you know, this is what will keep you on track. But what can you do to start um, like rediscovering yourself? What can you do to start loving yourself again, seeing your own personal value and getting on that road to recovery? Well, first thing you have to notice is that you've been reprogrammed and rewired. So now your inner dialogue is that of negativity. Mm -hmm. So now you've lost your self-worth. So you're constantly putting yourself down. You have to notice that. So, you know, our awareness is all on different levels. But if I'm sitting here and I'm like, I'm such a piece of shit, you got to become aware. It's like, why did I just call myself that? And you go, wait a second, stop. You could actually say to your own mind, you know, not out loud, say, stop. I'm not doing that. It's like, no, you're not a piece of shit. You're a good person. And, you know, it's like, this is where the affirmations come into play. Yeah, hell yeah. You know, one of I, 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 um, I heard somewhere like, I am, whatever comes after I am are the most powerful words in the English language. So I am sad. I am depressed. I am fat. I am ugly. Bah, 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 bah. This is what you live. If you're sitting there going, I am resilient. I will bounce back. I am a good person. I am good looking, whatever it is. These are the affirmations that, you know, will help you get back on the road to recovery. And, and that's, that's a simple practice. I have, a, I have a little section of my book with that, but it's just something easy to do. You take, you look at affirmations, you can look them all over online. You don't have to pay somebody to give it to you. Right. It's like, there's, I, there's literally an app for it. I'm not paying for it, but. Right. So, to, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's so many ways to find it. So you find an app from. Hey, I app. am app. I'm looking for a sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like, I'll just go through a bunch right now. I am capable. I accept myself and love myself. I am worthy of love and respect. I deserve happiness. I deserve peace. I deserve love. I deserve uh, stability. You know, I am worthy of respect. I'm worthy of real love. I'm worthy of happiness. You know, it's like, I, you know, it's like all these things you could find. And then you go, okay, let me pick three for today. And now you sit down, you have to make it almost, make it a place where you could do it as a practice. So if you like scented candles or incense, you light that up. You sit somewhere where it's comfortable. You close your eyes. You start to focus on your breath. We could start to slow it down a little bit where you could start to relax. And then you pick three from the ones that you really feel you need today. You have to pick the ones that you feel like you need, right? So it's 
countering, actoring, counteracting that negative thought that you had, right? Ooh, like, that's good, man. Right? I'm not worthy. Oh, wait a second. I noticed I'm not worthy. It's like, no, I am worthy. So now you sit there, you close your eyes. Once you feel relaxed, you just say for, for three minutes. And you can't say it where you don't believe it. You have to really feel it. He's like, I am worthy. I am worthy. And if you start to cry during it, it's okay because now you're letting out emotions. So whatever you feel and it's negative, you find the positive for that as an affirmation and you use that. And you say that, that phrase, say it for three minutes. If you have to stop because you're crying your eyes out, this is healing. This is important. Oh, man, that is good, dude. I'm going to use that. I love when I have guests on like you that give me those, those nuggets of sitting there and whatever negative thought comes in your head, counteract it. That is dope, man. And then yeah. if you're on a subway or something, write it down, put it in your phone, say, I keep thinking this thought. Now I have to do something, change it into a positive one and use that for your practice. I, I've come across a, um, a few women that I talked to on Instagram who um, apparently they take their markers in their bathroom and they write affirmations on their mirrors in the bathroom. And I think that's a dope idea. I've never, I haven't heard of any men doing it, but uh, apparently that's a, that's a common thing for women. And I think that's great. You could do post-its, right? You could write it there yeah. on your refrigerator, stick it on your door, stick it there at work, have it up. Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah. So, all right, let's keep going with um, how to rebuild yourself. So uh, improving, I guess, your self-esteem, we can say, um, what else is there to, that you can help to what's, rebuild what's your life? the best way for that? I was a personal trainer for almost 25 years, starting to take care of your health again. Yeah. You know? Cause the thing is, if they help you put on weight, they want you to, cause they want to be like, I'm the only person that can love you. So it's like, start to take care of yourself again, start eating right. Mm-hmm. Start to, to go out, do act outdoor activities. If you're not into that, get a dog that might help or, <laughs> you know, volunteer so, go volunteer help somebody else do something for somebody else that you can say you know like i have purpose i have compassion i have empathy you know yes. volunteers i think is is a cool way of, of i've done things, a you know? lot of that i was i'm part of the new york river fund it's an it's a, a a food choice pantry so you get to pick as many things according to how many people in your household and you're helping people and then you're reconnecting with people which is really important because most of the time you isolate yourself when you're going through this so putting yourself out there volunteering you're making a difference you're connecting with people it's opening up your heart again it's just it's yeah. helping you express yourself and i so i've i've shared this on other podcasts um because of the financial abuse i've experienced post separation um i do get my food from a food bank now and I know that my ex is not going to be teaching my children any empathy. Um, and I want to make sure that they get it somewhere. So when I'm in the position um, to, you know, give back my time and, and donate and, and things like that, I want to take my children to the food bank and um, kind of just be like, listen, some people aren't fortunate. Um, I'm not going to tell them about my situation, but some people aren't fortunate enough to be able to, to have food readily available like you guys and, and people have to come here and these people help, you know, people donate food and they help them. And I want to try and teach my kids empathy. So, you know, well, like they, look, they look at that them. part, right. You see the people on the line, you go, they're there online because they need to help their family. There's no shame in that. They're being Dude, I take, I take pictures of myself standing in line so that I can remember one day what I went through and what I overcame. Yes. Yeah. And the, th- the thing that holds a lot of people back with healing 
is shame and guilt. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's nothing to be ashamed about. Look, we're here because we've been through it. We're talking about it because we've been through it. And you're taking something that is a negative thing in your life and you're making something positive out of it by sharing that and trying to help others that don't have a voice or have nowhere to go. So you're giving them hope because there's always hope. That's what keeps us going. That's what keeps the, the human mind and heart to go is through hope. And this is really important. So like being physically active again, it's good for you to exercise if you take yoga, anything like that, because you get, you know, your endorphins up and all these other things that's good for your health. You manage your weight. This gives you a better self-image. And it's not like, even about attracting somebody else. It's like becoming now the best version of you without letting anybody get in the fucking way anymore. Hell yeah, man. I wish the listener could see me right now. I just started pumping my fist. Be the best version of yourself for your next relationship. And that's not to get back at your ex. That's just so you know, like, yeah, I'm the shit, you know, <laughs> like, and that I'm going to get the next one back. You know what I mean? Uh, the next, my, my next girlfriend's going to get the best version of me. Um, and yeah, for me, fresh air, uh, sunlight, that vitamin D, you know, I'm not locking myself in my, you know, my place. I'm not drawing the curtains, sitting in the dark. Um, I'm getting out there, man. Uh, you know, live your life. Do, you know, you know, another cool thing is do the things that they wouldn't allow you to do. So like, if they said, you know, you can't go get your nails done. You can't go get your hairs done. You can't go to the gym. Like you're saying, whatever they say, you can't go out to eat with your friends. Do all that shit that you've been missing out on for all those months and years. Go ape shit. Go, go live your life. Celebrate, man. The wicked stepmother or wicked stepfather is gone. It's like you're free. It's like, yeah, go out there, do whatever you want to do. As long as you're not harming anybody, it doesn't matter. It's like you want to, you want, you don't have much money and you want to go away, go away. You'll pay it back later. It's not a big deal. You weren't allowed to go see certain movies, go see them by yourself. Who cares? You weren't allowed to play your music loud, play that shit loud and dance around your house in your underwear. <laughs> Don't give a shit. Yeah, man. Yeah. You know, I've, I've seen people on like Instagram and TikTok and I think they got like hairbrushes dancing to like, I will survive by Gloria Gator. And I'm like, get it. I can go. I love it. You know, you want to buy the burgers God. anymore? Go to the best burger place you could go to. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, I'm all about that. Um, I think another thing, Keith, is like, um, what's important for me is like using this kind of as like a life lesson, right? Like this isn't this isn't the end of the road. Well, it's the end of the road for your relationship, but it's a new beginning for your future, right? Yes. Yeah, this, is, know, this is not the you. end. This is the beginning of a new life where now you have the potential to actually be happy. With them, there was no potential to ever be happy. Yeah. Yeah, it was a lost cause. The futility of the whole situation, I mean, like I said before, there's no amount of effort you could have given that was going to change, you know, change their mind. It wasn't going to be the person that you had in the beginning. Um, And acceptance is so key, you know. Um, Another thing to start to work on is your boundaries. Look at if you had healthy boundaries or not, or if you allowed them to take it away. You know, these are things you have to start to work on to help make sure you don't recreate the same situation somewhere else. Because like in the fire department, I transferred to a different firehouse and somebody's just like, oh, you know, different circus, same clowns. That person is trying to get me afraid to go somewhere else. 
and I still went. And then mm -hmm. I said something to me and I put them in their place and that stopped everything because I created boundaries, which I didn't have in the other place. So if I didn't do that, I was going to recreate the same environment in a totally new, different environment. Mm -hmm. But this is super important where if you notice you don't have boundaries and you let people walk all over you or you let them do what they want, you have to create them and you have to learn the most important word in the world, which is a complete sentence with one word. And that's no. Hell yeah. And it might be difficult in the beginning, but just like going to the gym, it might not be easy to run a mile, but you'll build up to it. But you have to start doing you it. You got to start somewhere. You know, you don't you don't just get out on the street and start running a mile. You start with a quarter of a mile, you start with half a mile, whatever you could do. And you build and you those little those little small victories. Um, they add up, man. They add up after a while. And, you know, you can sit back and you can go like, wow, like, you know, the way I used to handle something before is not how I handle it now. You know what I mean? And yep. when, especially in those, I call it detox, right? Because it's like, it was literally like detoxing from a drug. I'm, I'm not a drug addict, but yep. I can literally imagine this is how detoxing from a drug is. And in those early, early, early days of detox, and I'm talking like the first week or two, when you get out of that toxic relationship, you got the shakes, you're vomiting, you're throwing up. Just know this isn't forever. Yep. It's I not lost, forever. I lost 20 pounds from just not eating. No, it's 30. <laughs> oh, see. Yeah. So, you know, some people go, oh, I lost like, it's like, we just talked, we just said it right now. It's like this, some people will overeat and some people will undereat. It depends on the person. Well, but, I also exercise my ass off. So, <laughs> um, yeah, man. I mean, listen, and, and I think when it comes to um, healing from the trauma bond, I think the last step to healing the trauma bond is kind of carrying what we're doing now and trying to help somebody else. Because personally speaking, I don't know how I could get through what I'm going through right now without this community of people that I found, people like you, people like Adam from Toxic Abuse Anonymous, people that are out there that are just so selfless, that are trying to help you. And you know, like I had a listener one time who reached out to me at five o'clock in the morning and I woke up to go to the bathroom and I sat back down and I, I had, a, I think I had a thing and she said, I've been listening to your podcast all night and I need to talk to you. And it was like five o'clock in the morning. And I thought there was a version of Mac before who needed somebody at five o'clock in the morning. And what kind of person would I be if I went back to sleep? So I didn't go back to sleep at five o'clock in the morning. And I talked to this woman and, uh, you know, I'm not trying to toot my own horn. My point is, is that once you get through this, try and help somebody else because we all know that pain. You know, we all know what we went through and try and carry the message to somebody else. Yeah. And you're never going to forget it. It doesn't matter if 30 years ago, 50 years ago, you'll remember this time because of what the person did to you. So also another thing that I recommend to do is try to not watch so much TV because it's toxic on so many levels. Read uplifting books, read spiritual stuff things that motivate you, things that help you move forward, things that help change your thinking about yourself. Like one of the most amazing books that I read when I was 22 that changed my life was Anthony Robbins' Awaken the Giant Within. And even in there, he talks about negative self-talk. And mm -hmm. at that time, I was like, well, I'm not smart enough to go to school because I'm <laughs> dyslexic. So it's hard, okay. you know? Uh -huh. And, you know, reading that book just changed my life. And even my book is a book about life. So it's not about narcissism, but you'll see a lot of stuff in there that will help a lot you of parallels. not repeat that, you know, in the future. Because 
You're going to learn about boundaries and all these other things. And you're going to start to look at your relationships, which are really important. So, you know, trying at this point, the last thing you need is any negative input. So watching the news and all this political stuff, detach yourself from that because the world will still be here tomorrow and start working on the things that help you start to heal. If you're a religious person, start going to church again. You know, if- Pray, I was going to say, do you pray? I mean, it's a personal question. You pray? I talk to God in my own mind all the time. Yeah, I pray. I pray a lot. And um, it does help me. I mean, you know, there's, you know, some people buy it, some people don't. I do. And it it very much helps me. So connect with what your heart connects to, you know, and just find books that will help you change your own thoughts. That's going to help create positive thoughts and outcomes for you for the future. But you still have to learn about narcissism, unfortunately. Because yeah. that's the only thing that's going to help you understand it in a way where you can move on and not repeat it. Because once you know it, you know it. Once you see the signs, you could see the signs anywhere. And the thing is, once you start to, if you do meet somebody, go on a date and you start to get that gut feeling, listen to it because your body has, your cells have memory and it's warning you. And it's not right. about being paranoid. A person on that level will trigger you in a certain way and you listen to it. And implement those boundaries that you created during your healing. Implement those boundaries and trust yourself enough to know, well, like, like, you know, I say about myself, like, what kind of person would I be if I didn't learn anything from this? If I learn nothing from this is that I have to have boundaries because I didn't have them before. Yes. You know? No, it's, this is life changing. And the thing is, if, if you could learn and grow from it, you will heal and then you'll actually get to fulfill your purpose in this world and you'll get the most out of life. And you'll see there's a lot of love out there. Not everybody's this wicked individual with this mental illness. You know, we just happen to come across them and that's our karma in a way where this helped us learn something where we could grow and change in in a better way where now we could get the love we really deserve and not be saying stuck with this person for the rest of our life. Yeah. And just think about how fortunate you are because there's so many people out there who don't know, and they don't know why this person is so toxic that they're staying with. And they don't know, you know, they're still battling those demons. And um, I've said many times before, I feel very fortunate to have the knowledge that I have that they're a narcissist and I escaped it. I escaped the sinking ship. It takes time, it takes patience, and it takes effort to work through this. It's not going to happen overnight. And when you're having those days where you feel like you're taking 10 steps back, give yourself that love and compassion. Say, it doesn't matter. You're, you're still moving forward. It doesn't matter how fast or how slow you're mm-hmm. doing. Totally. You're doing it. Most, most of us have to do it on our own, unfortunately. You know. But the people that are listening right now to the podcast have found a place of refuge to get some insight, understanding where you're not alone. And this is the most important thing is not to feel alone during this time period. Cause when I went through my stuff, none of this existed. <laughs> well, thank you for saying that. And yeah, that was my intention by creating this. So uh, I'm glad that you said that. So, Hey, Keith, listen, we're coming to the end of the hour. Um, I thank you so much for, for letting us sit with you and, and uh, sit under your learning tree, so to speak. Is there anything you want to add about breaking the trauma bond before we go? I think we really covered everything. The, the, what it comes down to is, blocking this person if you can or keeping that no contact and not stalking their stuff to see who they're with and if they're happy this is going to keep you starting from scratch again and it's going to create a cycle 
once you could accept it, you block them on every platform possible. If you don't have kids with them, you block their number. Even if they text you by accident in the future, you don't reply. And you got to keep, you have, this is the boundaries. And this is where you have to work at that. And from there, you just keep moving forward. And, and no contact also includes not looking at old pictures, get rid of the pictures, put them in like a Google drive or fucking burn um, them, <laughs> fucking burn them, bury them, you know, like fucking have a, have a funeral bonfire, burn that shit. And I love when people do that. That's dope. Highlight all of them, drop that shit in the trash and empty it and watch it go. Boom. It's gone. Yeah, it's therapeutic. All right. Well, Keith, thank you so much. Again, as I mentioned in the beginning of the show, you can follow Keith on Instagram. He's at spiritual underscore samurai underscore. He's got a YouTube channel called the spiritual samurai. He's got a book. The book is called a warrior in the world, semicolon spiritual samurai. And also they could just put that. It'll, it'll come up. Okay. Um, so the book is called uh, Spiritual Samurai. Oh, I'm sorry. The book is called A Warrior in the World, Spiritual Samurai. And also he's a part of the Toxic Abuse Anonymous family who just started an app and uh, he's going to be a major contributor on the app. So you can sign up for the Toxic Abuse Anonymous app. Keith, thank you so much for taking the time to do this with us. And uh, I really appreciate you. Thank you. And God bless everybody. Remember, give that love and compassion to yourself that you gave to this person because you need it now more than ever and you're worth it. Thank you, brother. All right, everybody. Until next time.